There was a sequence of plays in the first quarter Saturday that went as follows. First down, Austin Kendall, pass incomplete. Trey Brown, pass breakup. Second down, Austin Kendall, pass incomplete. Trey Brown, pass breakup. Third down, Austin Kendall, pass incomplete. Parnell Motley, pass breakup. West Virginia, punt. Three consecutive pass breakups led to one of the six Mountaineer three and outs on the afternoon. That sequence of plays showcased what's been, to me, the biggest difference in this year's secondary compared to what we've seen the past few seasons. Instead of seeing Oklahoma's DBs chase receivers with their backs turned, flailing their arms up seemingly at random when the ball may or may not be there, we're seeing Oklahoma's DBs in 2019 turn their heads and make competitive plays on the football on a consistent basis, particularly the corners. Roy Manning deserves a boatload of credit, as well as, obviously, Alex Grinch. What Grinch has done since he's gotten on campus is challenge his secondary players. He's asked them to play aggressive, make it difficult on that receiver across from you. Don't allow that person to dictate what you do. Take the fight to them. Grinch knew that in order to employ that strategy, he needed players with talent, speed, and most importantly, good technique. That's the part that needed to be taught to these Oklahoma defensive backs. The technique in the secondary for the past few years had been really bad. The longer an Oklahoma DB stayed on campus under the previous regime, the worse they got. Nobody developed into a better player. Jordan Thomas, unfortunately, was the prime example of that trend. Well, in 2019, instead of regression in the secondary, we've seen immense improvement not just since 2018, but since week one against Houston. The corners have been really good all year. Parnell Motley has been a pro football-focused darling. Trey Brown had some slight struggles early, but he's evened out his game in coverage and also when it comes to tackling. And then there's true freshman Jaden Davis, who may be a future star. All three of them have contributed in significant ways and have not been a liability whatsoever. Meanwhile, the safeties have taken the brunt of the defensive criticism in 2019. Things were so dire in the back end that Alex Grinch seriously considered wide receiver Trajan Bridges as an option at nickel for what now looks like a week. Now, after seven games, the safeties have improved significantly since week one. Pat Fields, Delarian Turner-Yell, and yes, even Brendan Radley-Hiles are playing their best football of the year. And if the way 2019 has played out continues, those guys can still be better. For the first time in years, I'm not afraid of second-string quarterbacks against Oklahoma's secondary. Heck, I'm not even that afraid of starting quarterbacks against this Sooner secondary. However, if Oklahoma's ever matching up with Tua Tungavailoa again, or Trevor Lawrence, I may have to rethink my stance. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. After all, it's still only October. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. Second and one, Jalen. Deep drop, steps up. Going to take a deep shot near sideline. Looking for Lee Morris. Touchdown! Oh, mama! What a pass! T.D. Lee! A 46-yard lollipop from Jalen Hurts to Lee Morris. And for the first time this year, Lee Morris finds the end zone. 
Lee Morris welcomes us into the show today. His 46-yard grab from Jalen Hurts in the second half Saturday resulted in Morris's first touchdown of the season and put Oklahoma up 42 to 14 over West Virginia. The Sooners rolled the Mountaineers 52 to 14. Credit to the voice of OU football, Toby Rowland, with the call on Learfield IMG College Radio. Again, I am Lee Benson. Grant will join me as soon as I get through this quick part. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, that's where you can find the show. Ratings and reviews, you can leave them on iTunes. We're over 100 ratings now, and the show is still at five stars. Major props to all of you for your positive feedback, and candidly, the negative feedback as well. We're not afraid to take criticism here. If we're doing something that sucks or is super hacky, we want to make sure we change that. A quick mea culpa for me. I forgot to ask you all for your three-word reviews immediately following the game Saturday. I was a Norman working the game, and when that happens, I get distracted with the work. So I posted to Twitter and Facebook earlier this morning here on Sunday as we record. We'll see what kind of three-word reviews you guys come up with on such short notice later on in the show. So with that, time to bring in Grant for the first time today. Grant, I'd like to think that if I played football at Oklahoma and then scored a touchdown, that Toby's call would sound exactly like his call on that Lee Morris touchdown catch. What do you think? Well, seeing as that I haven't heard the Toby Rowland call on Lee Morris, Morris's touchdown catch, I uh, don't know if I can accurately uh, answer that question, but I'm just going to go ahead. Just something, for... to the effect of, something to the effect of uh, TD Lee or something like that. I've already forgotten. I'm sorry, Toby. Well, It was a good call, though. Well done. Congrats. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Oh, real quick, uh, before we get into the whole game discussion, I think it's worth pointing out that, uh, hey, we were pretty close in predicting the final score, and you were only one point off, Grant. Well done. You predicted 52-13, to 13, and of course the final was 52-14. I got West Virginia's point, point total correctly. I said 55-14. So, uh, it's pretty close. We both, uh, I, we, I think we both picked Texas. or Do we both pick – or no, did you pick Texas to cover last week, and I didn't? I so did pick Texas right. to cover, yeah. I, um, uh, yeah, so you're, you're, you're on a pretty nice roll here with picking OU games. Yeah, I actually haven't. Um, when I've picked OU games in this in the little the little uh, pool thing that we do uh, for a season-long thing, I am actually undefeated when I pick OU games in that thing. So nice. um, I should, I'm, I, yeah, I might, I might continue to ride them a little bit because, uh, I don't know, they're, they're playing pretty well right now. Wait, you picked Kansas to cover or did you just skip that game that week? I skipped it. Okay. Uh, see, I like picking OU games because it's the one we're both so knowledgeable with OU, and so I, even though it sometimes it's like a weird line or it's a line that people are like stay away from. Sometimes I'll just play it because I just know that I know more about this game than any other game on the slate, and so you know that kind of that worked out this week because I decided to take Oklahoma to cover, and they did. Thank you to uh, the defense for. And the special teams, I should say, as well in the second half. Yeah, uh, I have, also, yeah, I, I was going to say, I've, I've picked every game but Kansas and South Dakota. All right. I don't even think the South Dakota game was, uh, was available. Uh, speaking of Kansas, by the way, I need to correct myself on the pod. We were talking about the biggest uh, home favorites for OU in the last couple of years, and we were talking about how that Iowa State game in 2017, OU was favored by 31, and I was thinking that was – uh, that was the the 33 and a half Oklahoma was favored by on Saturday was the biggest since that Iowa State game. You mentioned the Kansas game. What about that last year? And you were actually right. I went back and looked. KU was a 35 point dog in Norman in 2018. So that makes sense. 
So I was wrong about that. So KU was a bigger dog, and of course, Kansas cover with ease. Okay. Uh, let's see. Went over to, oh, let's see. How about this? Let's start with this. Um, a narrative going into that game is how will Oklahoma play after that super emotional, what ended up being a tight game against Texas. And Oklahoma obvious, obviously played really well. And I have some sound right off the bat here from Kenneth Murray when he was asked about uh, how he feels about how Oklahoma played after the Texas game and how there was no quote-unquote Texas hangover. Here's Kenneth Murray. Considering what we've been through, um, it's not difficult at all. Um, you know, we can't win a national championship beating Texas. So, um, you know, until we win a national championship, we're not going to be satisfied. And, and like I said, considering what we've been through in previous years and, and you know, all the talk that's been, been said around here, you know, if we if we not hungry after one, one, one game, then, you know, we got some problems. So uh, we're going to continue to be hungry, continue to get better. And, you know, everybody on this defense as a, as a whole has to continue to get better. So, Grant, I'm not sure how much of that you were able to hear because sometimes the audio on both of our ends is not great. But the point is, what we were kind of hoping for in Oklahoma's mentality leading into that game against West Virginia seemed to play out. And Kenneth Murray made it another point after the game to just reiterate, listen, guys, we don't care who we're playing. Our goal is down the road. We're not even close to it yet. So we're going to keep uh, keep the keep taking steps and we're not going to be satisfied until you know we get to whatever we want to accomplish which sounds like I mean he mentioned the word national championship I mean that's on Oklahoma's minds and it's difficult to imagine this team at this point Grant looking past anybody they're going to be it seems like they're going to be focused for every single week is that the sense you get to I I I hope so I mean this this certainly has been one of the more mentally tough OU teams I've seen in a long time. And of course we really haven't seen them, you know, be put in a ton of really difficult mental situations. I suppose you could argue last week against Texas that a game they utterly dominated, but it didn't didn't seem like it on the scoreboard. Maybe that was kind of their first mental test of the season. Um but yeah, I mean, they played well on Saturday. I thought the, I thought the offense came out it looked like they were a little flat maybe on the first series. Uh, but other than that, they were great. Jalen Hurts probably played his best game of the season so far. Um, everyone was sharp for, you know, it seemed like for just a large portion of that game. Um, overall, just a, a team that went into that game with the right mentality, and they did exactly what they were supposed to do against a West Virginia team that was overmatched. And I think even more, uh, something that's that looks a whole lot better going forward for OU they really West Virginia did not belong on the same field with them at all, and I thought West Virginia played well too, especially in the first half. I mean, it was it was only a two touchdown game at halftime, and we'll get into uh, kind of the whole you know, offense, defense, things like that uh, here in a moment. But I I do want to bring up that Kenneth Murray. You heard that sound bite, and we have some more sound to play. By the way, we got Alex Grinch, we got Lincoln Riley, we got Jalen Hurts. A couple of sound bites for you on this post game OU podcast coming up later in the show. But uh, Kenneth Murray has actually turned into a really good soundbite in 2019, Grant. And I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, last season, even the year before, Kenneth Murray was always the player they put out there to talk about the defense. And he got to the point where he just kind of had talking points. And it was just one of those things where he would say all the right things that would make probably the program happy, but it was just all kind of hollow because of how poorly the defense played. But now you heard that soundbite again a moment ago, and he's just so confident. And I think 
now when he says things in these post-game press conferences and then even during the week, it's really interesting. It's really good because he is playing really well and he is backing up on a field and his team, the defense, is actually looking like a really good defense. And so therefore, because results on the field have actually uh, have actually uh, they've happened in the way that that Oklahoma was hoping for and what Murray has said it makes what he actually says a lot more interesting to me and I, I know you don't hear every single soundbite you don't hear every single press conference but have you gotten the sense that Murray has been a little bit more of an interesting guy to talk to this year because Oklahoma has played well defensively yeah and and he's playing well he's got a lot of confidence and rightfully so he's been great um, he, this switch to Alex Grinch's scheme to this style of defense, whatever you want to call it was, was the, was exactly what Kenneth Murray needed. He's not thinking as much. He's playing fast. You, you, you're finally seeing that talent that we've, that we've seen flashes of his first, you know, two and a half years on campus finally come to fruition. And it's exciting to see. And on the, on the, on the TV broadcast, Joel Klatt and, and Gus Johnson, were both talking about how Kenneth Murray is playing at an All-American level, at a Butkus level. And at this point in time, it's hard for me to disagree with them. He's flying around the field, and he is a force on the field right now. I, I don't. We haven't seen as impactful as an OU linebacker like this really in a long time. I mean, the, my, my first thought is, um, is Corey Nelson in 2013, the first half of the season before he got hurt, was, was pretty similar to what Kenneth Murray looks like right now, and, and that's dominant. He looks great. Nine tackles on Saturday, one and a half tackles for loss, led the team in, uh, in tackles and tied for team leading tackles for loss. And the last thing on this, too, that I, I want to bring up there, I have some memories of last season of whenever anybody on Oklahoma would talk defensively, and, and Kenneth Murray included in this, it always seemed like every single week there was some sort of narrative or some sort of... Uh, message that listen guys we're close trust us we're, we're close do you do you have memories of that too or is that just me am I, I i i have memories of defensive players even though what we were seeing on the field was not very good them kind of telling us that yeah we were close to to finding it or unlocking it did that does that ring a bell at all oh to of you, course was, yeah that was okay. a that was a very consistent theme of last season um and of course it was they were just they were just uh, regurgitating. I'm sure what the coaches were telling them in the in the coaches' rooms. Well, um, that's it your, wasn't true. Yeah. They weren't they weren't close at all. They were one of the worst defenses in the country. That's about as far from close <laughs> as you possibly can be. And so my point is, oh, go ahead. So if you have more on that, I was gonna, no, I, I, I don't I, have I, more. I have a they, point to bring in this yeah, up. They were terrible last year, and they're no longer terrible. That's that that much is is clear to this point. So that yeah, that's part of my point is that we were hearing about how close they were. They're trying to kind of make a positive spin on it a season ago. And it got to the point where we all kind of just rolled our eyes because it was clearly not close. The defense was very bad. Meanwhile, you have this year where we're seeing some obvious results on the field. The defense is much, much better. It's turned into a good defense so far through seven games. There's no doubt about that. Yet, what are we hearing in the postgame press conferences and in the pregame press conferences that it's not good enough? I mean, they know they can be better. They're mad, obviously, about no no takeaways yet again. Uh, it's just you, you're they're not satisfied. The word satisfied came up quite a bit on Saturday from Kenneth Murray, from Alex Grinch. I mean, the vibe is just, it's, 
we got to get better. You hear from Lincoln Riley last week about how, listen, guys, it was one game against Texas. We're not even, we can't even see what there is. And that's good. a long I, ways to go. This is a yeah. great mentality because they are. They are leaving plays on the field. And so they're playing. They're playing this well. But and there, you know, there were moments against West Virginia where I, I think everybody watching the game was like, ah, man, that was frustrating. We really should have gotten them off the field there, and they just made a play, or or we didn't do it, and uh, didn't do what we were supposed to. Do. And of, and of course, I think the their two scoring drives are the ones that come to mind the most, especially the one with the fake punt, which was really frustrating, and and then West Virginia just made plays. But uh, there's stuff there to improve on for sure. But I mean, they're making a lot of plays right now with their talent and athleticism. And you can see just the product on the field. You can see that they're getting more comfortable mentally every single game. And so I just, I get kind of giddy. I get kind of excited to think, where are they going to be at the end of November when that talent, that athleticism is still there, but the mental side of it is is much more developed. This defense is going to be even better. And I... And it'll be a good time because the schedule definitely stiffens up yep, towards the and end of the season. Because they, they continue to show improvement every single week. And I think the best example of that, honestly, and, and just to kind of pull this out of a hat right now, um, what did we talk about in September about what, of our, what our biggest concerns was on this defense? And it was obviously the safeties. And we'd bring up Pat Fields and Delaire and Turner yell, they got to get better, they got to get better. This is four straight games now where both of those guys have played well. And they've been better in every subsequent game. Um, I look at Delaren Turner yell on Saturday, Lee. He's turning into a good player, a good Big 12 player. I, that's that's his fourth straight clean game where he didn't really miss any tackles. He didn't make any mistakes. He was good. Seven tackles, second on the team. Let's see. Pat Fields had a couple tackles, had, a, had one TFL. Nice play by him. And I don't know if you had a chance to read or through my opening take, but that's what I touched on in the opening take was the secondary play. And just that uh, more specifically on the corners and my opening take that sequence of plays in the first quarter where Oklahoma got West Virginia off the field, three straight pass breakups, two by Trey Brown, one by Parnell Motley. And it's just it's night and day, the secondary play compared to a season ago. Grant, Oklahoma's giving up an average of 198 total yards per game through the air. They gave up less than that against West Virginia, and they gave up even fewer yards on the ground in that game. It's, again, the worst pass defense in college football in 2018, and now Oklahoma has turned into a a good pass defense, an above-average pass defense statistically. So your thoughts, just uh, the way the secondary has played now is we're seven games in. I think we've seen not just improvement from 2018, but we've seen improvement from week one. Absolutely. They've just gotten a lot better. And really, the, the corners have been have been very good the entire season. Um, I think you got to give a lot of credit uh, to, to Coach Manning. Do you not? I mean, oh, absolutely. Just it's night and day how, how much better these corners are playing. And uh, it's it's exciting. And just just knowing that at some point in time, they're going to get their own guys in here. The guys that they're recruiting uh, guys who hadn't who hadn't been, you know, here for three or four years under Kerry Cooks and Mike Stoops. Um, they already got, I mean, they got Parnell Motley, who had, who had shown flashes of brilliance in his career, but very uneven and a lot of down play. He's been great this year. He's maybe been the best corner in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Jane Davis, I thought, maybe had uh, had his roughest game so far this season on Saturday, and he was good on Saturday. Um, 
It, one of the ironic things, Lee, is if because you were obviously at the game, so you didn't listen to the broadcast or anything, but Joel Klatt, over the course of the game, was pretty hard on the secondary. He thought they didn't play particularly well. And um, honestly, I, I kind of disagree with him in that sense, especially after re-watching the game. The secondary was pretty good. Um, I thought this was the game in which the, the receivers for the, op, for the opposing team challenged OU the most, and that was actually part of West Virginia's game plan. And Austin Kendall was dropping some dimes out there on Saturday. Austin Kendall played really well on Saturday. And OU was just there, was was tight in coverage on a lot of them. And there was some grab and there was some pulling. But that's the aggressiveness that we like to see. That's that's not something that we saw really at all um, with Mike Stoops and Kerry Cooks. If you ever saw pulling and grabbing, it was when they were out of position. It's crazy yeah. what you can get away with, Lee, in football when you're in position, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. And every week, it seems like Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, they kind of, re- uh, you know, they, they talk about that a little bit. They, yeah, penalties can be an issue with this Oklahoma team at, at times this year. And at times on Saturday, there was issues with penalties and holdings and some PIs and things like that. I don't even know if there was really a PI, but maybe just holding calls in the secondary. But yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley's okay with that. Alex Grinch is okay with that because you got to be aggressive. And some of the best defensive teams we've seen in the history of not just college football, but the NFL are really aggressive defensives, really aggressive secondaries that make officials throw their flags. What are you going to let us get away with? And that's just kind of part of the strategy. And I honestly think it's it's annoying. I think it's kind of BS. But you know what? That's part of the game, and I just have to kind of accept it and live with it. Uh, and it's nice to see that Oklahoma has adopted that defensively as, yep, this is kind of a necessary evil of playing good defense. Yeah, and of course, it, you know, OU's pass defense this year has been good. It's 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 been really good, and compared to last year, I, it's it's astronomical the difference. Uh, they're challenging receivers. They're not giving up a lot of space. It's just really refreshing to see, and I'm I'm excited for the direction of this defense with this coaching staff. I hope I, I hope they can keep this core, this coaching staff on on the defensive side of the ball together at least you know all together at least for a handful of years so they can so they can finish developing this culture because it's fun to see they're they're coming to play and um I just man West Virginia earned every single yard that they got on Saturday and I thought you know everything that they got when they had success they West Virginia had success in that game Monday through Friday in the film room they schemed their success in that game and there were still small windows, and they still had to make plays. And I think that's the, that's, that's the hallmark of a good defense. Going into that game, West Virginia was averaging about 4.9 yards per play. OU held them to 3.9 yards per play. What, what more can you ask? it was 3.8 yards per play. 3.8, <laughs> thank you. What more can you ask? You can't. You can't. I mean, uh, the Oklahoma holding anybody under 4 yards per play, uh, except for like Kansas in the last 3-4 years, was just unheard of. Never would happen. Yep, and that's... And it's, yeah... And that's and, and that's a week after they they held you know I, what I think is is very likely one of the ten best offenses in college football to just a shade over four yards per play, and they've they've put together two back to back really impressive defensive performances. And I know people are going to be upset that they didn't sack the quarterback, and I'm I'm not happy they didn't sack the quarterback either. But I think a lot a lot of that you have to kind of tip your cap to West Virginia. They came in with a game plan that that essentially said I, we're you know. We're gonna make you beat us by tackling in space, and oh, you did. They did. They, West Virginia did not have a lot of success in that regard. 
And Alex Grinch after the game, you know, asked about hey, no sacks, and you know, he's not happy about happy about that either. But he did say, hey, listen, you got to give credit to to West Virginia, and that's clearly what part of their game plan was. You know, the, when you're getting the ball out like that, you know, yeah, it could be frustrating for the de- defensive lineman, but you know, that's just part of the game. That's how it happens sometimes. So I mean, yeah, he sees it too. And there's no surprise, Grant, after what Oklahoma's defensive line did against Sam Ellinger a week ago that. Uh, West Virginia was certainly going to get the ball out. I mean, that was what West Virginia does anyways. That's a big part of their offense even before seeing what Oklahoma did to Sam Ellinger. So uh, not a, not really that much of a surprise that there was no sacks in that game. No, yeah, it doesn't. And, and you know, it's not like they weren't – they were very disruptive up front. Um, they almost got him. They almost got him a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, a few times they almost did. They, they forced him into some bad decisions. They forced him into some throwaways. They did a good job. The, the, the defensive front there was good. Alex Grinch wasn't sending a lot of pressure in that game. They were they were doing kind of the mush rush a lot, just rushing three guys as well, um, and it, it worked out. They just they weren't quite as aggressive in that game as they were against against Texas, and that's that's okay. We we talked about going into the game, kind of their the havoc numbers, and West Virginia Lee was was last in the Big Twelve and giving up havoc plays on offense. I think they were giving up eighteen point nine percent of the time a havoc play on, on offense. OU's havoc rate on defense in that game was a little over twenty percent, so they were they did better than their averages. Good, and I and I think that's all you can you can ask for. They had uh, nine tackles for loss and four passes defended. That's about a twenty percent havoc rate. Good, good, yeah. That's I mean, you brought the nine TFLs. You know, no sacks, but nine TFLs is that's that's not bad. I know they always want to be like in double digits with that, but nine's nothing to sneeze at. That's all that's on run plays. Basically, that's if you have nine <laughs> tackles for losses on run plays. That's that's outstanding run defense. Oklahoma now. I'm not sure if you have any more advanced metrics on the defense, but just uh, the basic defense numbers. Grant Oklahoma is now a top 30 defense. Oklahoma allowing 326 total yards per game, ranked 28th in the nation in total defense, five yards per play allowed. And just to compare and contrast, by the end of last year. When Oklahoma was done with the 2018 season, the Sooners' defense had allowed 6.1 yards per play. So right now, through seven games, Oklahoma is is better than a full yard, uh, a full yard better defensively an opponent yards per play. So it it's good to see because that's like the one stat, the yards per play stat, that's been kind of higher than maybe you would anticipate it being with how good Oklahoma's played defensively. But, uh, I mean, five yards per play, especially in the Big 12, that's really good. But like that I said, remember really remember what I mentioned earlier this week, though, about about their kind of elite success rate as a defense? It kind yes. of, it, it, it's sort of, if you look at those stats, it's pretty easy to say the reason their yards per play are so high is basically on those three or four plays a game where they kind of give up those long runs. That's basically where that's coming from. And they, they're getting off if, the field because Oklahoma's getting off the field on third down, right? Because I mean, yes, they are. If West they, Virginia five of eighteen on Saturday on third down. If OU can kind of clean up their propensity to give up some explosive plays, which I know playing this style of defense is going to be difficult, and that's one of the trade offs that we're okay with. Uh, we're talking about their peripherals, their havoc numbers, their success rate on defense. We're talking about maybe like an elite defense in college football if they can clean up the explosive plays. Wow. Well, here, here's a, you know, a downside to, to it. And again, you could say it's back-to-back games, Grant, where Oklahoma has played really well defensively, but has also not uh, forced a takeaway. And that's three total games in a row with no takeaways. 
And uh, we got to go to Alex Grinch because we all like to hear what Alex Grinch has to say. And he is uh, kind of beside himself, kind of uh, he, he can't believe it. Uh, I, I'm putting words in his mouth probably, but let's just listen to Alex Grinch on no takeaways for the third straight game. Three straight games without a takeaway, which is which is alarming. Um, and so something that we just got to we got to come up with a uh, a better plan as a defense. I've been haven't been here before. To be honest with you, haven't been here before. Three straight games without a takeaway. As much as we emphasize it, um, the ball's in the air more than we act like it is. Uh, from, from a secondary standpoint, we we got to make sure that uh, we want that ball being thrown our way. You know, our technique and fundamentals. Do, do we have the mindset the ball's coming our way, or is it that last ditch effort to say, uh, you know, there's you know, all of a sudden his hands go up, I got to make a play. Not to suggest those plays don't happen, but what we're not seeing is the lean and low kick, go, go high point of football. Grady threw it. You know, I'm, I'm, t- I'm tired of the track meet. You know, um, I'm try- tired of running 40s next to this guy. Now, now's the time to execute my technique and fundamental and go, go high point of football and be excited when that happens. You know, and so that, that's one of those things that I just, I'm not seeing enough of that from, from uh, safeties and, and, and corners. There's, there's, I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I believe there's more opportunities. That does not, uh, to me, discount uh, getting the PBU or discount an incomplete pass. You know, but, but uh, if uh, of when, when it's a goose egg, when it's zero, there's, there's something up and we got to do a better job love it love all that from alex grinch and we just spent a portion of this podcast praising the secondary grant and big part of my opening take was praising the secondary alex grinch though he's still seeing signs in the secondary where it can be better and he did a good you know he made a point at the end too that hey listen i don't discount the pbus i don't discount the incomplete passes there's there's a lot of good you know he didn't say that in there but I, I just love he's keeping these guys accountable and they're they're still hungry. And uh, my favorite part of that, too, by the way, was kind of uh, towards the beginning when he was just kind of like, I, I've just I've never been here before. Three straight games without a takeaway as much as we emphasize it. I just I yeah, I don't know. So I your thoughts on uh, another great Alex Grinch soundbite. Just keep grinding. Keep grinding. The amount of havoc plays that they've had in a row without a turnover is a statistical anomaly. It's just something that doesn't happen. And so before we went on, Lee, I, I, I talked about how um, this is something that Bill Connolly, he, he created the S&P uh, system. Um, generally, the stat is there's an interception for every four passes defended. And that's historically uh, stats over the course of college football history. OU is, is going on. I just went back and looked. They've had 16 consecutive passes defended without an interception. Uh, statistics say they should have had four interceptions in that regard, and they've had 43 consecutive havoc plays without a turnover. That is just that. Keep keep going. They're they're going to come and they're going to come in bunches eventually. Statistics say so. Just keep going. Oh, that's some really good stuff. Uh, some individual players. I feel like we just need to point out because uh, Nick Benito he got the start at the rush linebacker spot. John Michael Terry. He didn't uh, play. Not starting there. Didn't play. Okay. And uh, Benito played well. Five tackles, one TFL. And I saw David Obwegbu also spelling Benito at that spot as well. He had three tackles. So say his, there's some of these, these these young guys that are playing good football. Igwebu looked good when he was out there. And it's it just gets even more excited when you start to realize that not only is this defense getting better in a hurry, but the defense is also starting to build depth in a hurry as well. And that's only going to make the defense better as, as the year goes on. That only makes the stats look better because you're not going to be giving up as much garbage touchdowns as we've seen now uh, in, you know, it, a, a couple of times already this season where they've, they've kind of they've stiffened their neck late in games. 
and that's directly related, I think, to all the guys getting so much experience on defense. How how awesome is this to see? It's been it's yeah. been so long since we've seen this many guys play on defense. Yeah, and it's they're practicing what they preach. They want to get a lot of players in there, but I mean. Alex Grinch is making no bones about it. Like, we're not going to put guys in there just to get them in there. I mean, they have to be able to perform. And he's he continues to give players chances on a defense that has been really good. And you think, oh, I mean, the starters, you just keep playing the starters. You're really good. No, I mean, a big reason why the defense has been good is because a lot of these players are fresh. They're not playing a whole bunch of snaps. They're Every time they get out on the field, they can probably give you 100% every single time. Meanwhile, there was... I know this is my favorite game to bring up. Just you go back to the Army game a season ago where guys like Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore and Kenneth Mann, I mean, they played like 80 snaps in a game, which is just insane. And then in the Baylor game, I think Baylor snapped the ball like 100 times in that game. And Kenneth Murray was a player that never came off the field and Curtis Bolton. So it's just it's night and day. I mean, they're, they're more fresh. They're playing better. Everything is going very well. And the last thing on the defense I wanted to bring up, too, is just uh, the way they stopped the run. And I know West Virginia coming in was not the best running team anyways, but only allowing 51 yards on the ground, 1.7 yards per rush. Neville Gallimore, you know, the stats don't pop for him, but he's such a, a, a big reason why the, you know, the, the run defense is good. Uh, I just One play stands out where he was able to, to chase down a guy near the sideline and make a tackle in the game. Uh, just such an athletic player. Uh, I always like talking about Gallimore, obviously, but uh, just overall, the run defense was phenomenal. Anything yeah, they did a good job. Talk about? I okay. was going to say, yeah, and just the only giving up 51 yards, that's made even more impressive when you don't subtract. There was no sack yardage to subtract. So, I mean, that was oh, all point. on them handing the ball off. They're, they didn't, they didn't, they had zero success running the ball. And, uh, you know, like we said, coming into that game, West Virginia was a team that was only averaging a shade over three yards every time they handed the ball off. Oh, you did exactly what they were supposed to do uh, going up against them. And that's, I think, going up against an offense like West Virginia, that's really all that you can hope for and expect. And they did. All right, let's flip the page over to the offense. And let's begin with Jalen Hurts, as we normally do. And uh, he had a very nice game, only one incomplete pass. I think he had, what, five total touchdowns. Uh, had a really nice touchdown pass to, to Lee Morris that you heard in the, the opening, uh, the, the intro. And that's a pass that Lincoln Riley had a lot of praise for. He said it was a big boy throw, kind of into a gusty wind and a weird angle, and and uh, Hertz made the play. He did mention to Hertz after the game that his finger, his hand, was was hurting him all week long, and all throughout practice this week, I guess he was having. I don't want to say I don't know if issues or trouble throwing is the right word, but he did say that he threw the ball on Saturday the best that he's thrown the ball all week. So hey, he showed up for the game. That's good. Uh, and he did acknowledge, too, it was uh, in the first quarter against Texas when he had the hand injury. So, I mean, I, as time goes on, you'd hope that that continues to heal and, and it won't hurt him all week. And it's good that he threw the ball well in the game. But uh, I guess it's just worth pointing out again that that's a, that's a thing going on with Jalen Hurts and the finger and the hand. And uh, Dean Blevins at News 9, my boss, asked Hurts if he re-aggravated it the hand or the finger or if it, it got any worse against West Virginia and uh Hertz just kind of looks at Dean and kind of gives him like a, a sly smile and kind of like a shrug shoulders kind of thing and Dean was kind of like trying to get something out of him like oh so so you 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 did hurt it or and and Hertz just kind of keeps kind of looking at him smiling and didn't say anything so I I think Hertz is fine 
You probably didn't see that, Grant, but uh, you can talk about Hertz's hand or his finger if you want. If not, we can move on to something else. Didn't really look like the hand was bothering him that much because he put he put together, you know, he put some of his best throws of the season on tape. He looked, I yeah, yeah. I I don't know what else to say. Saturday was his okay. best game so far as as a Sooner. He was good. I know you probably want to talk about whether or not he's a one read guy or not. Fair. I, I think that's fair. I think that's going to be a fair question for Jalen Hurts the entire the rest of the season. Um, but I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if he, if he can place balls like he did on that one on the sideline to Rambo and then on the touchdown pass to Lee Morris being a one re guy doesn't matter. Also too, he had a nice ball placement deep to Theo Weiss. Yes. He had a nice catch yes. in the game too. That's also good, good to throw. see, really good, good to catch. see Weiss. Good to see him in there. It was crazy. Cause uh, right before that play, I was thinking in my head kind of about all these talented receivers and thinking like, you know, obviously we're past the four games or the red shirt thing. I was thinking like, I wonder if Theo Weiss is a guy where, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure how many games he's played or whatever. It's like, I wonder if he's a player where, cause we haven't seen a whole lot of them. Like maybe they're gonna like, yeah, let's maybe try to red shirt this guy this year. And then like literally the next play, he had that great catch on the sideline. Like, Oh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe he's a player that, uh, that they're still going to try to work in and, and give some reps and, and, uh, yeah, I think, touches too in the, in the season. I think everyone's hope is that those guys, as the season goes on, especially as we go into November here pretty soon, that those guys continue to get more reps and become more comfortable. Um, that's kind of always how I envisioned it. If they were ever going to make a big impact, it was going to be in November anyway, as they've had just more time under their belt playing college football. So hopefully we do see that. But um, I mean, it's it, it really is hard to argue with the. The, the Lamb and Rambo one-two punch right now. They complement each other very well. And uh, good to see Rambo have a, a nice game. He led the team in receiving, had that touchdown as well. For but the first time, kind of got, got to see his hands work a little bit. That one on the sideline, yeah, he, he just kind of plucked out of the air. Yeah, did you steal my tweet? Did you see? Yeah, that's no, I, I didn't actually. Tweet. What'd you say? Seriously? I used that exact word. Pluck? That's crazy. He must be related. Nah, uh, yeah. yeah, I said I liked how he went up and plucked the ball out of the air there. So, anyways, I, I do want to talk about Hertz because we have gotten a lot of messages and notes on our Facebook page here and there and sometimes on Twitter about, hey, when you guys watch back the games, watch Jalen Hurts, is he seeing that first read and then pulling the ball down and running? And certainly that happens. That has happened. I mean, the guy's leading the team in rushing. I mean, a lot of his rushes are scrambles. I mean, he's... He's pulling the ball down and running, and he's picking up positive yardage. And so that was one of the things in my head going into the season. You know, how much better can Jalen Hurts be? How much can he improve at this? Because certainly at Alabama, he was a one-read player. He wasn't a guy that would go through his progressions. I'm sure here and there, every once in a while he would. But that just wasn't his game. He wasn't comfortable doing that. And he'd run because he's a good runner of the football. He's got great legs. He can move, and, and he's fast, and he can run through tackles, things like that. And so my, I was intrigued to see how Lincoln Riley could potentially – help him become more of a passer who would go from read one, it's not there, let's go to read two, let's go to read three. And that's something that's very difficult that you don't see a lot in college. Baker Mayfield will do that uh, pretty good in college at a, at, a, at a high level for a college player. And now we're seeing here in the NFL in year two where he's kind of seeing ghosts as Greg Cosell, the great NFL films guy who breaks down film, he's been saying that Baker's seeing ghosts. The offensive line isn't holding up as well. So he's not seeing the field he's not going through his progressions as well and if baker's playing uh some of the worst football of his life but uh you know it, it's it's not easy to do that we all know that and so lincoln riley got the question after the game you know from you know how has his progression been on kind of going through you know progressions you know looking down the field 
as a and going through as opposed to him, uh, you know, getting out of the pocket and running. And uh, I kind of liked what Riley had to say, and 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 this is kind of to address a lot of the the people that have asked us about it because personally, I think he definitely is still a dynamic. Not that's not that's totally the wrong word. Majority of the time, a run read player who brings it down after that first read's not there to run. And I think we saw that a lot against Texas. And I am concerned about that going up against better defenses. But I like what Lincoln Riley says here because he's addressing it. And um, it it kind of puts things in perspective a little bit. So here's Coach. I think he's done a pretty good job of that all year. You know, he, he had a couple of, you know, bad decisions and scramble uh, uh, situations last week. Not necessarily if to scramble or not, but just once he made that decision to do it. But he's been he's been decisive. And that's, that's the key for me. He can, you know... You can go back with a clicker on all these and say, well, you should have stayed in here. You should have left here. I mean, that's you're out there and dudes are coming trying to knock your head off and, and you're trying to see the whole field. I mean, it's they got to make decisions and go. And if I see a pattern of a bunch of bad decisions on it, then I'll say something. But I haven't. I think he's he's made great decisions on when to leave and he was much better today, like he has been for the majority of the year on once he did leave, making good, sound, smart decisions. So I like that with Lincoln Riley that he hey he's being decisive. That's the main thing. As a quarterback, you got to be decisive. You got to eliminate and you got to go. You can't be patting the ball thinking and going through too many different things in your head because then you're going to make mistakes. And when you're as talented and as as athletic as Jalen Hurts, when you're decisive, for the most part good things are going to happen and that's what we've seen especially in this offense. And so I think that was kind of a good perspective, Lincoln Riley, and also to the part where he said that, listen, there's guys out there trying to knock your head off. You're going to have to be, you know, things are going to happen. And, and if he makes a bunch of bad decisions in a row, then, hey, I'll tell him. But for the most part, he's, he's making good decisions. So I like that from Lincoln Riley. Grant, what did you think? Yeah, I thought that was really insightful. I like, I like stuff like that. And, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I think we're, we're obviously going to hear this criticism of Hurts um, even if he does put up these great numbers and has great games, I think there's always going to be a contingent of people that it's going to say, yeah, but against the best defenses in his career, they've always been able to take away his first read, and that's all, he's always struggled after that. Um, I, I think that's fair, but we're at a point now where I'm not sure, I'm not sure if there's a defense left on the schedule that's going to be able to deal with his physical attributes anyway until we get to the playoffs, so... Um, take this time against these teams to improve and then you know hopefully in a playoff situation when they're going to go up against one of these defenses with these NFL players he's improved to the point where he can make some plays because that's what it's going to come down to he's not Baker he's not Kyler he is Jalen Hurts this offense is different things are going to be different and that's okay um, this offense is still very effective they're, I mean they're dominant they they did whenever whenever they whenever they are serious and they don't score and they don't screw around they average 10 yards every time they snap the ball. We've never really seen an offense as, as explosive as this, you know, really in the history of college football over the last handful of years. And Jalen Hurts is doing a really good job of running it right now, and he's not even fully healthy. That's a couple of Big 12 defenses, though. The Iowa State and then at Baylor back-to-back, because Baylor's defense might be better than we think. And then, of course, there's Iowa State. I mean, that's Still not defense. scared that's of a- Baylor's defense at all. <laughs> okay. At all. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. I mean, that's a that's a stretch that you know we looked at the schedule a month and a half ago, and you know Iowa State always okay, you know, but Baylor, you know, I thought they'd be. I picked them to finish fourth in the Big Twelve, and uh, you know we'll see what happens there. But they look to be better than we thought, and Iowa State you know could be rounding more into form, so that's going to be a 
a little one-two punch there back-to-back. That'll be interesting defensively. Uh, opposing team defenses just wanted to point that out. I think the team, I, I think... I think going forward the season, I think the team that's going to give OU the most problems with their defense is going to be TCU. And then honestly, hmm. I, I think they're going to handle all the other well, ones TCU just fine. TCU is after Baylor. Yes. Yeah, I think TCU is just because I, I think Gary Patterson is the best uh, is the best coach out of those guys, and he has shown, I think, the most like aptitude at stopping the GT counter. Everyone else, like I think, I think OU is going to run the ball pretty easily against Iowa State. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to stop Jalen Hurts on the ground. Like I said, I think OU is probably going to just physically manhandle Baylor. Um, I think TCU might be able to give OU some some trouble with their speed on defense. Um, and then uh, OU is going to do absolutely whatever they want against Oklahoma State's defense. That's going to be a just a total track meet. Well, while you're saying positive things about the Oklahoma offense, let's turn it over to Oklahoma starting quarterback Jalen Hurts because he mentioned that nobody knows what the ceiling of the offense is right now. And he was, excuse me, he was asked how the offense has progressed in his mind since week one. And this is what Hurts had to say. It's all about taking progressive steps, progress. Can we make steady progress? Kind of keep chipping at the bud, keep climbing this mountain. Because as we get higher in this mountain, it gets a little colder, more treacherous. It gets tougher. So we got to respond to those things the right way. But we have to continue to challenge ourselves and challenge each other within this program. I just... For whatever reason, whenever I first heard Hertz say that, I kind of started laughing when he talked about the mountain getting more treacherous and more cold. <laughs> like, oh, we're we're going for it here. We're we're really gonna we're really gonna go for it here on this analogy. Okay, I like it. Uh, anyways, so uh, there's your uh, there's your starting quarterback for the University of Oklahoma. Let's see, offensive line: Grant uh, Swinson and Ely started played the whole game as far as I could tell I would I couldn't watch it that closely I didn't have a chance to watch it back but I nothing in the post game about them I think they must have got out without any setbacks and I will say uh I think maybe on SoundCloud we had a a, a listener mention that I don't know you're I know you're kind of tongue-in-cheek with the conspiracy theory about Adrian Ely and him not being injured or whatever like that so I just want to make that clear to everybody I know like you're you're kind of like serious about that but still it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing because I think somebody on the SoundCloud page was like actually kind of like oh like why you think that why would they actually fake an injury uh and so I just thought I'd leave the let you comment that comment on this a little bit because I will say Bill Biedenboe mentioned last week and I forgot to say this Bill Biedenboe said that Ely hadn't really practiced at all the past couple of weeks two three weeks so like I I don't know I mean it it, so, it sounds like there was something there with him. So I don't know if, if he was completely healthy, as maybe you were uh, tongue-in-cheek like saying. Well, it's obviously tongue-in-cheek. If that if I don't make that obvious, then sorry. But yeah. um, no, I mean, I it's... I thought it's, we'd uh, address that. It's a bit. Real I'm, quick. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm making a joke about how, about how little information the coaching staff gives out. That's all. And I don't know, it just kind of seemed like there was some weird... A weird situations surrounding that. We had never heard of Adrian Ely getting hurt at all. And so, I don't know, Lincoln Riley plays games. This is this yes. much is obvious. There's no doubt about that. To There's anyone no who has that. followed the team the last 3 years. And so, I mean, yeah, it was it's it's tongue in cheek, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm going to go ahead and double down. No. Uh I last thing on, <clears throat> excuse me, last thing on the offense that is certainly worth a discussion is the role now of Trey Sermon Grant and it would seem that, uh, you know, obviously we saw him not get a touch against Texas, but he played a lot of snaps. And now against West Virginia, it seemed like he played third fiddle behind Kennedy Brooks. 
And I guess Ramondre Stevenson, but when you look at Ramondre Stevenson's numbers in that game, he didn't have very many carries either. It was almost like Kennedy Brooks was the lead back and everybody else was kind of secondary. But Grant, to me, it looks like maybe Trey Sermon has fallen behind Stevenson as the the number two guy. What do you think? It kind of, I mean, I, I would certainly forgive you for thinking that because it that's kind of what it looks like right now. He's definitely third fiddle behind those two guys in touches the last two games. And like you said, yeah, he was on the field a lot against Texas, just didn't get any carries. He went on the field a whole lot in this game. Um, so, hmm. uh, yeah, I guess, like, like I said, I I think I said yesterday on Twitter, it's just, it's I think it's it's one of the season's mysteries up to this point. Is he is he fully healthy? We don't know. Is it just that Brooks and Stevenson have been that much better, uh, you know, in between games during practice, uh, which would really surprise me for Trey Sermon. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's he's been one of the most consistent running backs the last two seasons prior to this one, and he's been pretty good this year as well. And you know, Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch. I mean, they're not afraid to play the best player no matter what. And it's almost like doesn't matter who you are. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening here because, you know, who knows? I mean, again, Ramondre Stevenson only had four carries. It was mainly Kennedy Brooks. So you could argue that it was in, in Lincoln Riley and Bill Biedenboe because he's the assistant offensive coordinator. It's like this is a Kennedy Brooks game, and we're going to feature him a little bit more. And it's not like Kennedy Brooks got 20 carries. What do you get, like 10? I think he had you know, 10. Eight or 10. Yeah, 10. And, and that's after the game. Lincoln Riley, again, he keeps getting asked about the running back situation. And – he brought up the fact that they only had 59 offensive snaps in the game and that Oklahoma's snap numbers this year have been low. And he kind of he acknowledged that, you know, other teams, the teams they're playing against have kind of been slowing down their offenses to try and limit Oklahoma's offense. So Lincoln Riley is an offensive coordinator with so many mouths to feed and not a whole lot of snaps anymore. Plus, we throw in Jalen Hurts, who is taking a lot of the rushing work from these guys. And it's kind of like, well, this is kind of just what's going to happen. And I still contend that a big advantage and a big positive to all this is that as the season progresses, the running back room is going to be fresh and hopefully healthy. And it makes me it makes me wonder if the if the offensive coaching staff has maybe come around to the idea that the offense is just is just better when Kennedy Brooks is in there. And because uh, I saw this over the second half of last season, the offense was really humming. And of course, I mean, it hummed last season on a historical level. But it, I thought in the second half of the year, it really got going. It was unstoppable when they were handing the ball off to Kennedy Brooks. That's what kind of set a lot of this stuff up. And so maybe maybe that's a realization they have come to at this point in time in the season, at, at this point, maybe very much like they did last season. And talking to Kennedy Brooks after the game, just uh, giving a lot of the credit to his offensive line because, I mean, they, they make it easy for him. They open up the holes and he and he just darts right through them. And then, I mean, where it is on him is the way he's able to shed tackles, Grant. And his touchdown run, I, I mean, I was up top. I was shooting from the crow's nest at Owen at Owen Field, shooting down. And, and when I was shooting that, I, I thought, oh, it looks like he's going to get brought down. And he just he shrugged off that tackle in the backfield and then scored. No big deal. So the strength is there for Kenny Brooks. And, I mean, we saw him break tackles in that Orange Bowl against Alabama, that one big play. I think it was a fourth down play where he was able to break a tackle and pick up an explosive uh, amount of yards. And then also, too, the play that was called back on Saturday where he caught it, like spun out of a tackle, and then burst up the sidelines uh, before I think it was uh, Jaden Hazelwood was called for a block in the back, and it kind of erased that play. But just yeah, you'll, you'll see the it's, – it's fun to see the, the talent and the explosiveness displayed by Kennedy Brooks. He's, I, he's 
he's the reason why we put him as you know an all big 12 player in the preseason he's the best running back on that team and uh, he's a guy that has a lot of tread left on the tires even this year he hasn't got a lot of touches and I, I just that makes me the word giddy comes to mind I like you know you use it quite a bit but uh, the fact that these running backs have not gotten a lot of work this year I love that as the season progresses yeah it's going to be nice I mean it's it's going to be nice especially let's say on November 30th they're in Stillwater and let's say it's like 35 degrees and icing outside it's gonna be pretty sweet to have a bunch of fresh running backs who haven't don't have a lot of tread on the tire um mm-hmm, I mean I don't even think do any of them even have 40 carries this year I think Sermon does. I was actually looking this stat up earlier this week because I wanted to know how many more carries Hertz had compared to the next guy. And I want to say Hertz is something like up like in the seventies. And I think uh I think Sermon might have been like forty, but uh if if you want to look it up right now quick or I can look it up or I was gonna say Chuba really Hubbard matter, has you know, has had games where he has just as many carries as Trey Sermon has this entire season. I know, I know. They're really riding him. Speaking of a guy that didn't have a whole lot of uh, didn't have a whole lot of wear and tear coming into the year, Oklahoma State certainly is uh, giving him the ball quite a bit. So uh, I mean, it makes sense. He's an awesome, awesome player. He's a great running back. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, wear and tear for uh, a, a back. Shifting uh, shifting to Oklahoma State real quick, and this is just a really quick sidebar. How soon do we start comp- uh, comparing Spencer Sanders to Trevor Knight? I, I did not even think about those two, so I don't know. Why do you say that? Starting to get just super hardcore Trevor Knight vibes from Spencer Sanders. <laughs> wow, interesting. I mean, the guy, I, the guy just the the amount that he's turning the ball over is like has got to be unprecedented. Hmm. Yeah, that's not a good look. And he's got. I mean, that's he's not a good look. How many did he have on Saturday? I saw he, the one he he fumbled and Baylor took it back to the house. I think he had three turnovers, didn't he? I don't know. I didn't get a chance to watch the game that closely. By the way, so I'm looking at this, uh, the rushing. Uh, both all of uh, Sermon, Brooks, and Stevenson, they they all have at least 40 carries. But, uh, you know, Hertz has 84 carries, Grant. Trey Sermon is the next with 50. And uh, Brooks has 45. Stevenson has 40. So a lot more for Jalen Hurts. I don't really want to talk about Oklahoma State. So I don't know if you still want to talk about them, but I I want to move on to something else. No, that's totally fine. Go for it. Uh, last thing, uh, do we need to talk about the Sooner Schooner falling? Or do, do, I mean, it, it happened. It, now we know nobody was hurt. So it was. I'm kind of I'm kind of bored by it. I don't really care. Is okay. that yeah? Well, like yeah. I I'm it it fell. You're gonna see that GIF a lot the next time that OU loses. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, just what I'm glad no one got hurt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's all I have to. So lastly, let's do three-word reviews. And remember, I, I mentioned that I didn't put the uh, the prompt up immediately after the game. So not as many as we normally get. But I got to give you guys credit. I put this up about two and a half hours ago. And we've gotten a decent amount on Twitter and also on Facebook, Grant. Are you ha- are you on the, the Facebook or the Twitter at all? Are now you you're going to have yet? to run. You're going to have to run this show. I'm having uh, I'm having other device malfunctions. All right, so let's start with the Facebook page. Normally we start on Twitter, but we'll go Facebook because actually we have a lot more on the Facebook page. And you know, a lot of you, every single week, a lot of you listeners, you loyal listeners, you guys chime in with your three-word reviews, and so we we can count on you all for uh, for your three-word reviews. And one of your list, one of those listeners is Philip, and so Philip's got plenty. He's got more than one, and so uh, all the creativity from Philip. So we'll go down the list. He goes special team special, and you know what? Thank you, Philip, because we didn't even mention the punt block touchdown. 
Braden Willis getting the block and Austin Stogner scoring his first touchdown as a Sooner. So we we overlook a block punt touchdown. That's how well things are going for Oklahoma right now, Grant, that we overlook an awesome special teams play. <laughs> yeah, what you think? It, it was a great play. I, I'm, I'm never going to complain about... I don't know, yeah, block, blocked punts for touchdowns are always a whole lot of fun. So I, I will never I will never complain about that. It'd be sweet if they could get one of those in like a playoff game or something. That oh would just bring the house down. And I'm pretty sure that if Oklahoma didn't have that block punt touchdown, I don't think the Sooners would have covered that 33.5-point spread. I think that's what put them over the top. So thank you, special teams. Uh, more from Phillip, uh, looking into the past and – he says, darn you, Stoops. Obviously referencing Mike Stoops. And it's just in, in less than a full year, the defense is just so much better now with Alex Grinch. So it's it's really difficult not to do that compare and contrast thing. Uh, is Mike Stoops still a defensive analyst, I think, with Alabama, I think, this year? I, I believe. He's on the Alabama why, staff. I don't yeah. know why he wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why he would be either. So just that's uh, we'll see how what transpires there. It's, we'll see if, if Worst Mike Alabama defense since Nick Saban's been there, too. Uh, I mean, they have injuries, though. How much yeah, they're really young. In? They have like four freshmen in their in their front four. Yeah, that is kind of a interesting, ironic twist, though, that the defense has not really been the Alabama defense that we have seen. But it's still More been from, like it's still been good, though. Yeah, it's been relative it's really to good. Alabama. It's still like a top twenty defense. <laughs> yeah, which like they're disappointed with a top twenty defense, and and Oklahoma now is a top thirty defense statistically. And it's like my God, this. But defense that's the is- thing, though. That's the thing, though. Like a. You know, a top twenty defense in college football is is gonna be had by every elite offense in the country. Like that's hmm. the that's the rub with that. More from Phillip, seven and O. Oh. And by the way, Grant, when was the last time Oklahoma was seven and O? Oh? Do you know? Two thousand and four. Did you cheat? Uh I don't know if it's a cheat, but I saw it I saw the OU Twitter official thing tweeted it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's correct. 15 years since the last time Oklahoma was 7-0. That that doesn't seem right, does it? But then I guess you go back and like, yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, they were both uh they were 6-0 in 2010 and 2011 when they lost. And also in 2013, I believe they were 6-0. More from Philip. He had five three-word reviews. OU has defense. They certainly do now. And the last one, it's a Heisman three-word review. Hurts versus Burrow. Interesting. Oh yeah, I guess with Tua getting hurt, that's that's a possibility now. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see. Uh, I saw a high ankle sprain again. Yeah, so he'll be but, out until the uh, till the LSU game. They've they've already come out and said he's not playing against Arkansas. Wow. Okay. So uh, they said um, the they put out a statement today. Alabama did, and I think the statement said something along the lines of. It's like the exact same injury as last season that he had in the SEC championship game. It's just the other ankle. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, I was going to say, if it was the same ankle, I wonder if that bizarre surgery they did. That's they did like do the surgery. That's, they did the surgery. That's what the, the press release said that I just read on Twitter. They've already um, done it? Yeah, they did it this morning, which oh means gosh. that uh, which means what, that game's in two weeks. He'll probably be fine because he oh, was 100% insane. healthy against OU. Oh, yeah, definitely. He had more time, though, but um, we'll see. All right, Trey. Trey usually always has some three-word reviews for us. He says, Hurts nearly perfect. That's a good one. And, he should have uh, been. Stoops dropped the his only incompletion. Oh, yeah. 
Hit him yeah. right in the hands. Terrible place to hit someone. Right in the hands. <laughs> and uh, Trey's other three-word review is Sooners Schooners Roll. A little dig on the Sooner Schooner. All right. And, and more on the Sooner Schooner thing. TJ, he always is uh, is good for at least one three-word review. TJ says, Boomer Schooner down. You know, Greg, I got to say, it's quite impressive that Oklahoma was able to come back and cover the spread after the Schooner went down. That could have been a devastating happening. And Oh, and yeah, that still, was... It, that absolutely could have been like some sort of uh, like sign. I, yeah. I when that happened, I was like, "Oh no, oh no, this so is going to be so the yeah." Maybe that's 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 a sign that this team's got uh, has the mystical forces in their favor. <laughs> I mean, a second half shutout, man. No GT touchdowns, no garbage time touchdowns, as you would say. That was great, and they needed all those stops because Oklahoma's offense. Once Jalen Hurts came off the field, and you know, after three quarters, it it just it did not move the same way with Tanner Mordecai. And granted, there were some drops there, but uh, yeah, it's just that's like when you're betting Oklahoma these these big numbers. It's like you have to take into account Hurts might be out in the fourth quarter, and it's like oh man, now the defense has got to either step up or you got to hope for a some points from Tanner Mordecai. Do we talk and about I, Mordecai? Cause you had, you had said we were texting back and forth yesterday about how he, he had the offense hasn't looked good once when he's been out there this year. No, it hasn't. There, I think maybe against South Dakota, it might've looked okay for one series in that game, but, uh, and he's gotten a lot of reps. I mean, he's been the guy they go to, he put him out there against Kansas. Uh, let's see. Is that the last, I guess, yeah, that'd have been the last one before this. Yeah, past at this, one. at this point, it's kind of, it's hard for me to believe that that Spencer Rattler is not a better option there, but obviously, I'm sure Mordecai is showing something, you know, during the week that we just don't see on on Saturdays. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of him all right now. If, if and not that it's, it's not that big of a deal. About Morde- just, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's just it's worth pointing out. It just doesn't stop. It doesn't seem like it has that much flow. And again, I know he was he had a, a big drop on third down against West Virginia that would have extended the drive. And then I got to give him credit for. Him rolling out and extending the play and completing it. Uh, I think it was was it um, Tease, Miles Tease, or was that Michael Jones who had that? Miles Tease is no longer on the team, so it was definitely <laughs> oh Michael Jones. A, okay, wow, my bad. That uh, whoops, that was uh, whew, that was uh, that was bad. That was bad. Okay, but uh, yeah, Michael Jones. So that one that basically ended the game because I was thinking, oh my gosh, is Oklahoma gonna have to punt again to West Virginia and they're gonna have a chance to go down and get a garbage time touchdown in the final minute? But no, that didn't happen. Uh, Derek says butt kiss Bolitnikov year. Interesting. So yeah, uh, obviously referencing uh, Kenneth Murray and Ceedee Lamb, definitely gonna be uh, in the running for those two trophies. Chase says, I don't know if I don't know if Murray's gonna win the butt kiss, but. Um, and he wants it, to. That's one of his big. It's probably big goals. I mean, if it, if the season ended now, he'd probably be a finalist. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure anyone can beat Isaiah Simmons for the butt kiss. But we'll see. Well, my coworker at News Nine, Greg, who uh, who works OU game days with Oklahoma Radio and things like that, he's always at the games. He, he had a three bird review last week, and he uh, he says give Murray butt kiss. So he's he's on the butt kiss train, and also says <laughs> just he says horns down forever, which. Greg says that's a year-round three-word review. Fair. And it's even more appropriate, I suppose, after Oklahoma did not have a Red River hangover while Texas almost lost to Kansas. Whew. Uh, do we, we didn't even talk about that, did we? But maybe we can talk about that next show. I didn't see – yeah, time. I didn't see any of the game at all, so I can't – I mean, it obviously I didn't the last go, quarter. Obviously didn't go well for 
for Texas. So. I saw the last quarter. Kansas scored with like four minutes left to tie the game, and it was kind of like, oh, do they go for two right now just to like take the lead? But it's like, ah, it doesn't make any sense to go for two right now because it doesn't guarantee them to win. And, of course, Texas went down and scored pretty quickly with like a minute 50, maybe two minutes. And so Kansas got the ball back with – it was like two minutes or a minute 30, but they had all timeouts remaining. Kansas went down and scored again, Grant. <laughs> and then they did go for two and got it. And Kansas took the lead. You know, I, the timing was – I think Kansas took the lead with like a minute 10. So there was like a minute 10 or a minute 5 left. So Texas had – that much time to go down and all I needed was a field goal and to Texas credit they went down and got into field goal range for Dicker and he made the game winner it was like a 33 yarder so I mean the Texas offense stepped up when they needed to and went down there but man I couldn't like Kansas's offense was just firing on all cylinders in that fourth quarter and and clutch plays all right uh we're almost done with the three-word reviews on Facebook Scotty says offense woke up and also Sermon in Doghouse. Interesting. I don't know if he's in the Doghouse because there was a moment in the game where they were like obviously trying to get him a touchdown down by the goal line, and he was kind of stonewalled twice near the goal line, I think in the third quarter. So I don't know if he's in the Doghouse. I just I think that maybe he's just uh, – it, it's just not kind of the game the game script, the game flow, whatever. He, maybe he's just being kind of overtaken by Kennedy Brooks and um, Ramondre Stevenson. And last we go to Twitter. Jared, he usually has some three-word reviews for us. He says, defense is dominant. Ben, this is a good one. Good halftime adjustments. Oklahoma outscored West Virginia 24-0 after halftime. Yeah, that third quarter was flawless. That was the best quarter they've played all year. Corey says, only schooner faltered. Uh, only schooner faltered. <laughs> I like the sooner schooner related three-word reviews. are pretty good. Uh, Joel says Grinch needs turnovers and you heard Grinch earlier in the podcast he's yeah he's not happy with that uh, Warren no Texas hangover indeed uh, KR <laughs> uh, we're going to treat this as a three word review because he has 11 a.m. as one word 11 a.m. kickoff masters Grant when Oklahoma plays K-State next week that'll be five straight 11 a.m. kicks yeah, that didn't I, happen very often. I like 11 a.m. kicks, but I don't, you know, I don't go to the games, so. Right. And I, I don't mind them either in the media because we get the game over with and it gives us plenty of time to not have a whole lot of stress to to do our coverage for later in the day. But I know it's not great for the fans and it's not great for the the, the players either, I don't think. And it's not good for recruiting, I don't believe. I Yeah, I know it's bad for recruiting, but I especially like uh, the um, the 11 a.m. kicks on the road. No time to think about it. Just get the game going, uh, going, you know, right away, right. That and also, I don't want to play on the road at night. It's just remember. Sure. I mean, there's, there's always, there's always been issues with OU's like scheduling and whatnot. They, if if you remember in the early part of this decade, they had played like there was some sort of crazy streak where all their road games were night games, like on the road, and it was like some crazy like seven or eight in a row road games they played at night. And so it's there. It is what it is. Just kind of deal with what is dealt with you, dealt to you. Right, right. A couple more three word reviews, and then we'll get out of here. Michael says force some turnovers. So onto the takeaway thing again. And Tony, appropriate way to end it. He says them boys good. And I agree. And that brings us to my three word review, which I have not given to you all yet. My three word review from that game, Grant, is starting to believe. This is a damn good football team, Grant. 
and they have the right mentality. And I was talking to Brett, who I work with at News 9, as we were getting ready to leave the game. He, Brett's a big fan of the podcast. You may remember that he was featured on the podcast a couple weeks ago, asking some questions to Ronnie Perkins before OU Texas. So Brett uh, has been on the podcast, his voice at least. But uh, we were talking. I said, listen, man, I actually kind of believe Kenneth Murray and Lincoln Riley and all these guys in these interview settings when they t- and Jalen Hurts obviously when they talk about how like they're never satisfied and mentally they're not like they're always kind of thinking that yeah we got to be better we got to we got to keep improving and I think it was Kenneth Murray is either Kenneth Murray or Jalen Hurts who who used the term he said oh no I think it might have been Hurts sorry I'll, I'll, I want to get it right for sure I think it was Hurts um no maybe it was Murray I'm sorry, either Murray or Hertz, doesn't matter. He said, are you hungry or are you starving? And I think it was Hertz. And Ah, oh, geez, that's, comes- an old, that's an old Tim Brewster saying. That's not good. Oh, is it? Oh, all right. Well, well, it seems to be working for this team at least right now. But I, I do believe these guys when they actually say that, that they want more, that they're not satisfied, that they're going to keep improving. And again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, very beginning of the podcast, I don't see these guys overlooking anybody. I really do think that the defense especially wants to come out and pitch shutouts in every single game. Kenneth Murray mentioned after the game that, yeah, they want to give up zero points, but they do actually, per opponent, they kind of have a a number they want to allow, which is kind of interesting. I didn't know that. be curious to know what kind of number they wanted to allow to West Virginia. I wonder if it was what we were thinking, Grant, where we were kind of waffling. Is it like 20 points or less or 17? Because if so, I mean, they, they certainly accomplished that goal. But anyways, that's my three-word review, starting to believe this is a really good football team, and it seems to be a really complete football team with the right mentality, Grant. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, it's just, I echo everything you said. They're they're really good. This is a really, really good team. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can keep it going. Already, already past the halfway point of the season, only five left. Geez, they only got two home games left, don't they? Um, they played four. Yeah. They, That's yeah, crazy. They played four. Um, that was the first home game they've had in, uh, almost a month too. Yeah. And so there's, they're still going to have different challenges every week, you know, starting next week, going on the road for the first time to really play for the first time this season in a really hostile road environment, because I don't think the same can really be said for Kansas and UCLA. Although you could probably make the argument that when, uh, when they had the ball in the Cotton Bowl, it's a pretty hostile environment. But um, mm-hmm. uh, still, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a different a different test. This is going to be a team that runs like a pro-style offense. They're going to be under center a lot, so it's going to be a little different in that regard. Um, but going up against a team, again, where they have just a very distinct talent advantage and uh, a game they really should win with no problem at all. I think it's going to be interesting. Okay, that does it for us today. We'll be back this week for a look at K-State. And we're going to shoot for a Tuesday night record, which would mean that the podcast would be out by Wednesday this week. So we'll see if we're successful with all of that. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.